Welcome, everyone, to episode 14 of the Speak Up by Avalon Bay podcast. This episode concludes our three-part summer series, Lessons in Leadership. We have three very special Avalon Bay women leaders, Debbie Coombs, Karen Hollinger, and Kathy White, retiring from Avalon Bay in 2022. This series is our opportunity to showcase their unique transformational leadership styles and their invaluable wisdom. In this final episode of our series, we will be joining Ted Shulman, our Executive Vice President and General Counsel, and Kathy White, our Senior Vice President and Associate General Counsel, as they discuss Kathy's lessons in leadership. Hello to all our podcast listeners. My name is Ted Shulman. I'm the Executive Vice President, General Counsel of Avalon Bay. And I'm very pleased and honored to have with us today, Kathy White, Senior Vice President, Associate General Counsel, and my colleague and friend that I've worked with for almost 22 years now. Kathy's role within the company has grown tremendously since she joined the company in so many ways. And I'm looking forward to hearing about her insights on leadership um, and how her role evolved and her insights on, on influence and leadership with regard to other groups, even though you don't, you know, you're not the one making the decision, but you're influencing them. And Kathy, um, as many of you know, after a illustrious legal career is retiring at the end of the summer, and we're all going to miss her dearly. We'll get back to that a little bit later in the podcast. But first, welcome, Kathy. Thank you. I'm very much looking forward to this. Um, a little bit nervous, but happy to, to share my thoughts, uh, particularly with the Women's Leadership Network, which I'm passionate about, as you know. Uh, thanks, Kathy. And I'm, I'm really glad that we have this opportunity to, to really delve into your insights and preserve them and share them with others. First, I just want to start a little bit with your legal career. You you joined Avalon Bay in November 21. At the time, can you talk a little bit about your legal career? You you had taken time off. Uh, you had started at a, you went to University of Michigan Law School. You started at one of the major law firms in America. You took time off, uh, returned to a law firm, and so on. And I think I think our listeners would find that that um, journey interesting. Yeah, no, I feel very lucky to have had the career that I had and particularly lucky to have had the ability to balance that with my other important vocation, which is as mother. And um, so I do have two children. I call them children, although they're in their 30s now. I, it was very important to me to be available to my kids as they were growing up. And, and again, I was fortunate in my career to be able to do that in most cases. Um, I started full-time with big law firm, as you said. And then when my first child was born, I stopped working entirely. And I stayed home until my second child was born about 18 months later. And at that time, I went back part-time to the same law firm on a very limited basis. I was working about 15 hours a week. It quickly became apparent that that was not going to be viable. So I did that for somewhere between six to nine months, and that really didn't work. I knew I was going to have to, if I went back to work part-time, work more than that. So I stayed home full-time until my youngest was in all-day kindergarten. And at that time, I 
decided I was going to get back into the workforce. And the way I did that is I signed up with a legal temporary agency. They assigned me out to temporary legal jobs. And I was using the law firm that I worked for, Hunt and Williams, as a reference. And one day I got a call from the partner that I used to work with saying, hey, dummy, if you want to come back to work, why don't you just come back here and work? And so I was able to uh, set up a part-time working arrangement with them. Over time, that practice group from the firm left and went to a practice group with a firm called Cooley Godward at the time. And that was a high-tech venture capital law firm representing a lot of startup companies and a lot of venture capital investors. It was very exciting. And when I moved there, I worked 75% which candidly was more than I work now at Avalon Bay. 75% at a law firm was more than full-time. And I was there until September of 2001, which uh, for our younger listeners was September 11th and the attacks on the World Trade Center. And on that day, two things happened. One, the venture capital financing and the tech boom just came to a bit of a grinding halt right around that time. And so the work at Cooley was drying up. And then also on September 11th, my children were in school in Alexandria and Washington, D.C., and I was in a high-rise in Reston, Virginia, and I wanted to get to my kids, and it was very difficult for me on that day to get to my children. I was like everybody else, stuck in traffic, no cell phone coverage, trying to make sure everybody was safe, not knowing what was happening, particularly in Washington, D.C. And so those two things together caused me to reevaluate my career. Cooley Godward was trying to place attorneys in new positions because we didn't have as much work as we had had. And one of the positions that came across my desk, while I was not really looking for a different job, I was kind of keeping my eyes open. And one of the jobs was the Avalon Bay job, working with you. And so that was, as you said, almost 22 years ago. Um, I did go full-time when I went back to Avalon Bay. At that point, my kids were middle school years and um, was a great decision. Fortunately, you took a chance on me and uh, the rest is history. But just back on your experience, so you, you really had a fair, full stop in your legal career, and then kind of trickling back in with temp work and 15 hours a week and so on. And then how did you find, you know, because I know sometimes people wonder, like, if they take a full stop, you know, whether they're a father or a mother, but if they take a full stop for family for a few years, is it going to, will they be, you know, how difficult it is to get back into full career mode? Will you be taking seriously or do you feel you have to prove yourself or is it easy to you know to just jump right back in can you talk about that a little bit i think and i hope that that happens less and less in today's world that it's more frequent for people to be full-time parents for a period of time and then to go back to full-time work and so there's sort of more maybe not tolerance but understanding of that again i was very fortunate because when i went back I went back to the same place that I had left, working with the same people that I had left. And so I was able to leverage all of the goodwill and reputation that I had built up 
during the period when I was there full time. So that was helpful. I did, when I was part time, have a, a concern that people would view me as somehow less, less available, less capable, less worthy of the good assignments. I worked a little harder, I think, because of that. And there were times when I think it backfired a little bit because I was so concerned about timing issues and about making sure that I responded promptly. Sometimes I was responding maybe before I I had a fully formed response because I was, again, so concerned about the timing. I, I think the advice I would give to other women in terms of coming back and or going part-time. And again, it's not just women, it's parents. But I think the advice that I would give is not to apologize, (laughs) to to really understand that you have the job that you have with the parameters that you have because you deserve it. So then when you joined that, you, you were really a generalist business lawyer is correct? Is that how you would describe your life in private practice? Very much so. Very, very generalist, no expertise in particular, more sort of not jack of all trades, but advisor of all trades. And I'm just curious because, and we're going to get into leadership in a minute, but one of the reasons you've been successful is confidence in in taking, you know, just jumping in and learning things that you haven't done before and take ownership. Can you talk about that a little bit? It's a little bit uh, scary. I'm not sure confidence is the word that I would use. Um, I think as I move into new areas, I'm not immediately confident in those areas. But like anybody else, I think you have to do the work to try to understand those areas. I think for me, one, I saw the need for someone to learn about cybersecurity, for example, at Avalon Bay, or someone to learn about marketing laws, or um, another area that I can think of is I I had to learn about credit card laws. While I may not have immediately said I am confident that I can support those areas, I was confident in my ability to learn and my ability to do the, the homework and dig in where necessary and pick up the skills to be able to do it. One of the first, actually the first, Women's Leadership Network event that we had was based on the book, The Confidence Code by Caddy Kay and I think Claire Shipman. I took the test included in the book to say, how confident are you? And scored abysmally low. Like I apparently I don't have, uh, I did not have the confidence to, you know, kind of fight my way out of a paper bag. But I do think I have confidence in my own abilities in my abilities to learn. But this this gets into into your leadership style. I mean, you're you are very influential with a lot of groups within Avalon Bay, but you're you're kind of, you know, an advisor to those groups. Um, you know, you you're not ordering them to do this or that. You're explaining and influencing and that's where your real leadership, you know, often comes from. Can you talk so can you talk about how you're, you know, going trying to think back to when you first joined Avalon Bay and, you know, you're working on, you know, different assignments and so on to feeling like, no, I am a leader and an influencer within the company and and how your leadership style has evolved. I think my style overall 
including my leadership style, is very collaborative. Of all of the Avalon Bay cultural touchstones, I think we collaborate is the one that probably resonates most with me, in part because I do have the ability from where I'm sitting to see a variety of different work groups, teams, and areas, and to see how they interrelate. Um, So I think that kind of collaboration is very important. I also personally believe that as an advisor to business people, particularly an in-house advisor to business people, you really need to work on the relationships and make sure that the people you're advising view you as a partner and not as a as an auditor. I mean, auditing has its place, certainly, and I do do some auditing, but overall, I think it's very important that the business people see me as a partner and are not afraid to come to me when something has gone wrong or when they're unsure of what to do. And the more you build that trust in the relationship, the better counselor you can be. I would say that you're fair, firm, and empathetic, and without ego, just trying to get to the right result. And and I think that style, you know, served you well, not just in in resolving disputes with third parties, but also in in dealing with people inside of Avalon Bay who, you know, they're trying to get their business done, their initiatives done. On the other hand, they have to do it within the confines of, of regulations and risks of lawsuit and so on. So can you talk about your style a little bit in, in trying to get to yes, trying to solve a problem, leaving people that they feel heard and understood and so on? I do think one of my strengths is that I can be persuasive. And I think I'm persuasive in a softer way, not in a strong-armed way. I find in my conversations with business people, whether it be a sales and service supervisor at one of the communities or an executive officer where I'm trying to explain why I think a particular law applies or may restrict us in some ways. The more you can explain exactly why you're providing the advice or making the suggestion that you're making, and I think this applies internally and externally, the more you can explain why, the easier it is to persuade someone to agree with you and to understand why you're making the suggestion that you're making. One of my favorite phrases when I'm dealing particularly with with RS is, hey, I I didn't write that law. I don't write the laws. I'm just telling you what I think that law says. Um, I think on the negotiation side, in terms of style, one thing that came to me a bit later in life is that it is always more effective to lean into your own style rather than trying to put on another style. And in negotiating contracts or negotiating settlements, I was not successful when I tried to be hard, when I tried to uh, just kind of bully my way through or outshout the other person because it wasn't natural. And it was clear that I was faking it. It wasn't effective. And so when I negotiate, even if it's rather contentious and the other side is, is not super friendly to begin with, I always lead with a smile. I always lead with the idea that we're trying to get to the right place, that we're both coming from different perspectives, but trying to reach a mutually agreeable solution. And so that is my style. And I think it's it's really my nature. And when those two are aligned, I, I believe has made me much more effective. 
you know, over the course of your career, you know, both prior to and at at Avalon Bay, have you received leadership guidance or advice that has influenced you? Absolutely. The, the Women's Leadership Network at Avalon Bay is the first associate resource group that Avalon Bay had. It's been in place for a number of years now, and it is designed as an organization for women leaders at Avalon Bay to help develop their careers, network, share experiences, share advice and guidance in an effort to ultimately help those individual women succeed and thereby to help advance Avalon Bay as a business. Okay. And and you were the founder or co-founder of it and essentially right. So um one of the re- one of the things that caused me to look at starting something like the Women's Leadership Network and why I thought it would be beneficial to women is that I was concerned about the way that I was perceived. I saw other associates maybe coming in and immediately getting some sort of recognition and response from senior executives who seemed to assume their competence and I thought, well, wow, is that because they're a man and I'm a woman? And I stopped and thought about it, got over my defensive posture and said, I don't think that's what it is. I think it's because of the way that I present myself versus the way that they present themselves. And it may be stereotypically male and female. And and I think in this particular case, it was. But that doesn't mean that it's not something I can change. And so I really started intentionally thinking about how I presented myself. Did I present myself confidently? Did I inspire confidence in my internal clients? If I were working on something that maybe was just a small piece of a transaction, maybe just getting a signature on something from an executive officer, did I take the opportunity to make sure they understood that I knew a whole lot more about the transaction than just getting their signature? And those are things I started to do. And I started to see the benefits from doing that. And I thought, these are important skills. It's important knowledge came to me rather late in my career. But they were important things that I wanted to share with other women, maybe earlier in their careers, where it could benefit them. And again, then benefit the organization as well. You've had a long arc and trajectory during your time at Avalon Bay. But I, part of it has to do with the fact that you became more of an expert and built up bodies of knowledge. But I, but I would say, and I just wonder whether this resonates with you, is that, you know, now you wouldn't think twice about calling a meeting of a group of people, sending out the agenda, leading the meeting, keeping the conversation going. And, you know, in the beginning, I didn't, I don't think you would have felt that that was your role. I think you would have thought you'd be a participant in the meeting, but not, not the one running the meeting when I look back to, you know, the first few years here, any, any thoughts about that? Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. I think that's absolutely right. And it, it's, you know, since one of the reasons we're here today is to talk about, about leadership and about sharing leadership skills and, and thoughts. I really believe that there is an important element of everybody's career that is taking ownership of your own career, figuring out where you want to go and then figuring out what it takes to get there. And in my case, as I said, I think a lot of it was really sitting back and thinking not defensively about how I was perceived and why I might be perceived that way. 
And if I wanted to change that perception to, to broaden my scope, to have people have more confidence in my abilities, some of that was going to be on me. It's not totally within the individual's control, but a lot of it is. And I think it's an important thing for men, women, young associates, old associates. I think it's important for everybody to know that a lot of it is within your control. Yeah. And, you know, to, to be clear, I mean, you're talking about about style and confidence. You know, you do have to have the substance to back it up, which you have. In other words, if, you know, you have the knowledge, you have the judgment, people trust your opinion, they want to you know, have you in there as one of the decision makers analyzing an issue, you know, you have to have both, you know, the the sizzle and the steak, so to speak. I think what you found is, you know, you had the substance um, and maybe you were doing yourself a disservice by by not feeling like, okay, now I can do more than just have the substance. I can be a, be a thought leader, be an organizer, be a project runner. Absolutely. Can you talk maybe a little bit about how People and women, men, women um, can show vulnerability at work and and still be viewed as a competent leader. Um, show it, but still show empathy, compassion, likability, and so on. I think again, going back to the idea that your greatest strength is in being yourself and leaning into your own style and personality. For me. I think one of my greatest strengths at Avalon Bay has been exactly that, to to show empathy to others, whether they be people within the organization, or as you said, sometimes it's it's a, a resident or a prospective resident who's very upset about something and is thinking about suing us, but ultimately just wants to be heard. And I have spent hours on the phone with residents really trying to, to listen, to make them feel like they were heard. Again, going trying to explain to them why something may have happened, which may be very different from why they thought it happened. And so I think that's helpful. In terms of vulnerability, I think it's always helpful to let other people know that you make mistakes as well. I think sometimes there is a perception um, among associates, maybe, maybe among executives, that you should never show that you make a mistake, that you shouldn't show that you don't know something. And for me, I think it's very important to build those relationships, to be upfront about the things that I don't know and to be upfront about the mistakes that I make because we all make mistakes. And again, I think it opens the door to people trusting you and to trusting you with their problems, which is an important part of my job. You know, Avalon Bay's purpose is to create a better way to live um, for our residents. Are, are there one or two or three pieces of advice that you would like to share with the next generation of women leaders in real estate that could help them carve a successful path, whether, you know, at Avalon Bay or elsewhere? Yeah, and I, I think I've touched on some of them a little bit, but I would definitely say figure out your own style and your own strengths. Don't try to be somebody else. We all have strengths. And when you identify them, that's where you're going to find your success. I do think, again, going back to confidence, I've seen studies, um, and again, I think it was in the confidence code, that confidence is more important than competence. I would dispute that. I think competence is always more important. But the confidence can't be underestimated. It's very important that you present yourself confidently. And sometimes that takes work. Sometimes it takes support 
You may need some training. You may need some other people to talk to and share things with. Certainly when I'm doing professional presentations, I always try to share them with somebody else, even if it's my husband, which leads me to my next advice, which I'm stealing from Sheryl Sandberg, who who wrote Lean In a number of years ago. And I know there, there's some controversy around that book, but uh, the one thing that she said that resonated with me is as, as a woman, and I think it's really true for anybody, one of the most important decisions you can make about your career is who your partner is. And for me, my husband has been incredibly supportive all the way through my career. He was supportive when I stayed home with the kids. He was supportive when I went back to work. He's supportive when I miss family events because there's something going on at work. And he will just smile and say, well, you, you got a big girl job, so we'll, we'll, make, we'll muddle through. And um, I do think that's important to make sure. And it, maybe it's not a spouse, but that it's important that you have the support in your life for the time commitment that you make to your career. And I definitely think that that's, you know, one dynamic that, you know, the two of us have had growing as partners at the legal group and at Avalon Bay is, is finding our respective strengths. There, there are certain things that you're, you both excel at and enjoy that would not be strengths for me. And, you know, and then there are certain things that, that I enjoy doing that you would feel that would make you uncomfortable because it doesn't play to your strength. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I, I think one of, you know, the reasons, you know, you have been successful at Avalon Bay is that you were very upfront about what you felt comfortable doing and not doing. And then we played to your strengths with that. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? I'm grateful to Avalon Bay uh, and to you for that. I think, I think you and I, as you alluded to over 22 years, have gotten into a really great rhythm. I know when I'm working on a memo, let's say I'm working on a memo for a board committee, I spend time, I try to get it right, but I know ultimately that it's going to be an iterative process and I'm going to get it to you. You're going to review it. You're going to have different insight and questions as you read it. You'll bounce it back to me. We get it going back and forth. And at the end of the day, I think we generally have a very good product. And I think it's important, one, that we both are sort of receptive to that process. I think if I were the kind of person who gets very upset because my work is edited, marked up, corrected, questioned, it would be very challenging to get to that final good product. It's a partnership with the people that you work with. And to your earlier point, I think you, you find the things that you're good at. And if you can work with people who can pick up those other pieces, it results in a final product that's superior. You know, one thing I, I do want to talk about, and you and I have talked about a little bit, is, you know, the issue of your upcoming retirement. Obviously, the decision to retire, you know, is based on a lot of personal factors having to do with one's children, grandchildren, spouse, desires to, you know, explore the world or other interests in the world. Um, on the other hand, you work very, very hard when you think back to, you know, going to law school, being an associate, heading up the learning curve on so many things. And and it is, you know, it is hard to, to you know, to then let the, the wind out of your sails, so to speak. And I know you've thought about, about this issue of, you know, the work you're doing now and why it's the right time for you to 
retire, even though you're at the top of your game, in my opinion, and, you know, adding tremendous value. Um, Can you talk about that a little bit? I recently read a book by um, a man named Arthur Brooks, who is a professor at Harvard Business School and teaches a course on happiness. And his new book is called Strength to Strength, and it's how to find purpose in the second half of life. And what he talks about is the fact that everybody's life really has two curves. And the first curve is that sort of achievement curve when you're young, when you're learning, when you're really producing a great deal. And the second curve, which comes in the second half of life, is is when you move on to sort of taking all of those experiences that you had during the first curve and all of the information and knowledge that you gained and figuring out a way to share it and to share that wisdom with other people. I really feel like I'm ready for that second curve. I'm ready to jump onto that second curve. I'm ready to to share whether it's whether it's with my granddaughters, whether it's with the people I work with. I am hopeful that there will be an opportunity to share my experiences in terms of landlord-tenant property operations, particularly affordable housing with the community in which I live. And uh, I'm looking forward to that, that piece, to really be able to take all of the great experiences that I had at Avalon Bay and at the law firms and combine them into some wisdom and share that wisdom to my community. On a more personal level, though, any bucket list items um, that you're planning to check off in the first five years post-Avalon Bay? Yeah, I, I've been very fortunate. A lot of people, when they retire, I think travel is the first thing that comes to mind. I've been very fortunate that I've been able to do a lot of travel over the years. And so I don't really, I am going to Australia. My um, son-in-law is Australian and he, because of COVID, has not seen his family since July of 2019 when he married my daughter. And so in December, we are all going to take a trip to Australia to see his family. So I will be taking, I think it's like a 21 hour trip to Australia all in with two little girls, one of whom will be just over two years old and one of whom will be eight months old. So I I ask you all to keep me in your thoughts as I do that in December. But other than that, um, I will be spending more time with my grandchildren. I have great visions of improving my golf game, which is pretty poor at this point. Uh, Definitely break a hundred and maybe get to even be a, a passable golfer. So I'm going to be doing that. I'm looking forward to really taking advantage of a lot of the cultural opportunities that we have in DC. I haven't had a lot of time to do that. Uh, Maybe I just haven't made a lot of time to do that, but I do plan to do that in retirement. Great. Um, Let's do a little bit of a lightning round to find out a little bit about you. Uh, The first question, I don't know what your answer is going to be. You told me you thought it was a little bit of a blasé question, but I am actually interested in your answer. Um, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Uh, what glass of wine do you prefer, red or white? My question, my answer rather, is going to be it depends. I drink white wine a lot in the summer, red wine a lot in the winter. And it will depend if I'm eating it with a meal and what I order. If I'm going to order fish or pasta, I'm going to order white wine. If I'm going to order meat, I'm almost always going to order red wine. So I like wine a lot. And uh, like to try lots of different varieties. 
Okay, now you know that in a deposition or a trial, you might have to just answer the question directly because I was actually trying trying to get at some of those distinctions. I figured if you said white, it meant that you kind of preferred afternoons after golf or or you know early evening in the summer having a glass of white wine. And if you said red, it meant you preferred you know winters and it gets dark early and you're having dinner inside. So. I was actually I was actually seeing it as a bit of a lifestyle choice, but but you you know diverted my question. I like that, all of those things, Ted. I like okay. all of those things. Which do you prefer? And I'm going to define this as you can answer it twice: once in your personal life and once at work. Um, text slash email or talking on the phone. I always prefer talking. I often have follow-up questions, even if it's it's with my kids, even if it's making an appointment to have my car serviced. And I find it really frustrating sometimes with texting that you have to wait for a response to your follow-up question. And at work, I 100% prefer talking. Some of that is because as a lawyer, I don't love having a written record of all of the back and forth sometimes. So talking for sure. You know, I, I thought you might have said, you know, I was thinking of, you know, people who are calling with a complaint or a dispute or something that you might have said, you know what, I prefer getting that in an email. Uh, let them distill it and I don't have to, you know, listen on the phone. But. No, even there, again, going back to what I said, I feel like I might be able to talk them out of it, but there's no way I'm going to text them out of it. Now, next question is favorite carb. And because you're a lawyer, I feel the need to um, define this a little more clearly we're talking about refined, high glycemic carbs. So don't say an apple or something like that, okay? Yeah, I have a clear and definitive answer to this one, which is pasta bolognese. That's the last meal I'm going to have on earth, pasta bolognese. Okay, good. In terms of meetings, um, do you prefer that they be organized via Zoom or that you go to the effort to meet in person? My preference is in person, but I do think there have been some real benefits to Zoom. I have been able to talk to people face-to-face or or Zoom screen to Zoom screen across the country. And I have had deeper conversations with a lot of people in places like California, Massachusetts, Seattle, where I had talked to them many times over the years on the phone. And I feel like I've gotten to know them better because I've had the opportunity of having Zoom conversations. Zoom calls with them. Okay. Now, you you are an English major in college, right? Yes. So the question is, maybe that tells us the answer, but would you rather read the book or see the movie? Always read the book. <laughs> All right. And um, what are some recent um, Netflix or Hulu binges um, where you watch, you know, the whole season in three days or a week or something. Yeah. So my husband and I during COVID watched all of Ozark. Very dark, but but very um, binge worthy. So we we couldn't wait for each new season to come out. Very much enjoyed Ozark. Uh, we watched Yellowstone, which was more his taste than mine. But then we after that watched 1883, which was the spinoff with. Tim McGraw and Faith Hill, and I love that one. So any any other, you know, ending thoughts or advice or wisdom you'd like to pass on to our listeners and associates at Avalon Bay, distilled from your, you know, two decades plus experience um, leading to your being, you know, senior vice president, associate general counsel? 
Yeah, I'm going to actually just selfishly use this space to thank the organization. I said once before that I have always been incredibly proud to work at Avalon Bay. That remains true. I'm grateful to have worked at Avalon Bay. I'm grateful for all that I've learned from the people that I work with. And honestly, Ted, particularly you, I've said a number of times, if I had come right out of law school and started working for you, I would have been a much better lawyer because it would have been great to get your insights earlier in my career. Although I do think hopefully I took advantage of them when they came along. I just, I think Avalon Bay is an extraordinarily special place to work. I think we, we do good things. We, it's full of smart people who try to do the right thing. And it's, it's just full of, of quality people. And I have enjoyed working here virtually every day. There may have been one or two days that were a little tough, but by and large, it's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege. Thanks, Kathy. Well, I, I would say an ending that, you know, when you joined Avalon Bay, it was a new position, right? There were, you weren't filling a vacancy. And then over time, you really created what that role did. And, you know, my my definition of, of a successful new position is, is when people feel, what did we ever do without this person? What did we ever do without that role? And when the organization feels like, oh, my God, what, what, how did we operate without this person or this role before? You know, it's been a success. And you achieved that many, many years ago. And to the point where I'm actually, you know, and you know it, um, kind of nervous about you leaving. Um, but that's only a sign of, of your success that you've done the role so well and contributed in so many ways that we're in a position of wondering what did we ever do without, without Kathy White? So thank you for your, for your many, many years, um, working with me, with the legal group and with Avalon Bay and for sharing your, your leadership insights and words of wisdom with us today. Thank you, Ted. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on this episode of the Speak Up by Avalon Bay podcast. We hope this has inspired you to speak up, too. All statements expressed on this podcast are those of the participants only and not of Avalon Bay communities. Avalon Bay and the Women's Leadership Network reserve all rights to this podcast and its contents. This podcast is copyrighted and may not be reused or rebroadcast without permission.